You have found the 542 and the Blue Internet Podcast. Discussions of law enforcement, history, issues and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains. Your host is retired police detective, sergeant, author and researcher, Scott Lunsford. Today's story, and shade of blue is on Sheriff Lewis Bratch Hutchison, Union County, Tennessee. His death in 1935 at the hands of a far-reaching criminal gang and how his wife carried on after his death. This is Victoria your producer. Background theme Natural Man by Giorgio Di Campo. Used with authorization. Your host Scott Lunsford. Is now online. Thank you Victoria for that introduction. As Victoria said, welcome to Season 2 of 542 and the Blue podcast dealing with law enforcement history, issues, and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains. Hosted by me, Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, sergeant, author, and researcher. Now, today's Shade of Blue story for 542 in the Blue, we're going to talk about a Tennessee sheriff, Sheriff Sheriff Lewis Bratch Hutchinson of Union County, Tennessee, and unfortunately the group of individuals that murdered the sheriff, individuals at that time known as the Bunch Gang. Now, Lewis Hutchinson was born around June 14, 1984. At 19, he married 15-year-old Della Lynn and the two moved into a home at the Norris Branch Dam in Maynardsville, Tennessee. Della was a very large part of Hutchinson's life, and then you'll see more about that later on in this story. Now, like many at the time, Hutchinson had several careers in his lifetime to help him take care of his family. Now, at the age of 46, he did a career change and ran for sheriff and was elected as sheriff of Union County, Tennessee. And he served honorably and was respected among his peers and by the community, so much so that he was elected for a second term. Now the sheriff spent the first four years of his law enforcement career keeping the citizens of Union County safe and doing whatever he could to help them out. It was the start of a second term that he would face one of the most difficult and unfortunately deadliest case of his career. Now during the summer of 1935, trouble came to Sheriff Hutchinson's community. A few counties over, secured in the Cock County Jail, were three inmates. Gus Maycog, John Campbell, and Clarence Bunch. That spring, the three convicts escaped jail and restarted their criminal lifestyle. Although Campbell soon tired of the overly dangerous ways of the other two and abandoned them and took off on his own, parting ways with them out of self-preservation more than anything. The two that were left, McCog and Clarence Bunch, began a two-man crime wave of violence and felony robberies throughout East Tennessee, robbing stores, breaking into homes, stealing cars, basically just shooting at anyone that got in their path and in their way, not caring whether they actually killed that individual or not. Now, the two, after a time, did add some other like-minded individuals to their group. 
This group later became known as the Bunch Gang, Clarence Bunch taking leadership of the, of the organization or of the group. Now the Bunch Gang became so dangerous that Governor Hill McAllister of Tennessee reported to the newspapers that the state of Tennessee was offering a $1,000 reward for the capture of Clarence Bunch, describing him as East Tennessee's public enemy number one. And the money matched by other East Tennessee rewards other counties, businesses that were robbed, that contributed money to the reward fund. They made a grand total of $2,000 reward for the capture of Clarence. Now, again, we're talking about the 1930s, and $2,000 at that time frame was kind of equivalent to about $35,000 in 2019 cash. That is a good chunk of change. Now, Calhoun County officials received information that the gang was hiding out in their county. Now, whenever the bunch gang was spotted, as many police officers that could be rounded up were sent out after them, and together with officers from Knoxville, Morristown, Bell County, and Lee County, and a few other East Tennessee counties, they closed in on P. Jim Bunch and his gang. P. Jim was Clarence's nickname. They surrounded the area where they had been told that he had been only to receive information that he was actually in another city robbing and stealing there. Now during this time that he was in this other city, Burlington, Tennessee, as a matter of fact, Officer Carr was shot and killed by the Bunch Gang. Several stores were held up and Clarence Bunch and his group, when they did hide in the hills, they chose the side of the mountains of an area called Bunchtown, which is about 10 miles outside of Tazewell, Tennessee. Now the main gang itself was mostly able to hide out, but slowly Bunch's gang started shrinking. Over time, one or two bad guys at a time ended up being arrested and taken into custody. Gus McCog, said to be uh, Clarence's ace sharpshooter, actually was wanted in five different states was one of them that was picked up and locked into the Tazewell, Tennessee jail. Having been, it took eight officers to, from different cities and counties to actually take Gus into custody. A Joe McCullough was also arrested and charged with hiding and harboring the Bunch Gang and giving aid and comfort to them. Now Nellie Payne, who was P. Jim's girlfriend, was also arrested uh, while she was shopping in Tazewell. With her was a Mr. Gully, Mr. Gully's wife, and Mr. Bearden, and another property owner who had been helping hide the criminal gang up into in the local surrounding hill area. Now, it basically, anyone who had any contact with the Bunch gang that was not telling the police where they were at were placed under arrest for harboring Bunch. Now for Clarence, even losing members of his group did not slow him and his organization down. One Sunday night on a rampage and leaving a trail behind them of robberies, shootings, and larcenies, it enabled the officers 
to corner the group in a small community on the side of a mountain uh, near Bunchtown, Tennessee. Now, P. Jim and his pack were said to number about 20 to 25 at the most at times. Although that particular night there were only three members in that particular group, as well as uh, P. Jim, who had been active in the robberies that particular night. It was on that evening that the four of them, P. Jim and three others, first met at a small restaurant and store known as Glen Rose Place in Tazewell, Tennessee. Shaking hands with the owner, Bunch said he wasn't going to rob him or bother him in any way, but that he was going to another location nearby owned by a Aiken Robinson and that he planned to rob that location. Then he planned to go to a relative of Aiken Robinson, Schultz Robinson, to his particular speakeasy and rob it, as well as a second store he had in operation. Clarence also planned to burn down both of these bars as well as, quote, cremate the owners, unquote. Now, Bunch did take a few dollars from Aiken as well as a watch that he liked from one of the clerks at Aiken's store. Bunch and his group were served pie by the owner of the restaurant before leaving on their mission of robbery and destruction. Leaving after the dessert, the gang en route towards the town of Tazewell flipped their car over, and one of the group was actually injured pretty bad in the wreck. Now, the wreck happened near the home of a Clarence Richardson, who came out of his house to see just what the heck was going on, where the bad guys ambushed him and took his car keys. Taking his car, they sped away and soon came across a man with a truckload of hogs. Not to be undone and to put the time to good use, they of course shot the driver in the leg because he only had a few bucks on him. Soon after, they stopped at another house, which they quickly robbed and took the car of the Grover Williams family. Now, having enough excitement for the night, P. Jim and his gang went back into hiding. But they, like I said, left a trail behind, and local law enforcement were able to isolate where they were at and moved in for a capture. Officers from, again, Knoxville, Morristown, Bell County, Lee County, several other counties uh, that were close by, and uh, anybody pretty much who was law enforcement related gathered together to see if they could capture P. Jim and his gang. Officers pursued the group to an area at Lone Mountain, Tennessee, where P. Jim had stopped at the home of one Dr. Miller and forced Dr. Miller to dress the wounds of the individual that had been injured in the car wreck and to tend to the injuries of another man. Information got to the law enforcement that Bunch and his gang were at the doctor's house. Several officers, Robinson, Riley, Smith, and Hurst, drove up to the house and shown the car headlights on the front of the house and ordered P. Jim to come out. Outdone, Bunch ordered them to move their cars, and when they didn't, of course a gunfight followed. More help was sent 
by the Director of Safety, Walter Anderson, and five policemen from Knoxville. A sheriff from Middleborough showed up with a machine gun, and Sheriff Dale of another joining county showed up with a pickup truck full of bloodhounds, all with the idea that they were going to put an end to the situation at that time. But PGM Bunch and his gang were able to shoot their way out and escaped on foot through the woods. Now Clarence PGM Bunch's luck finally did run out. He ended up being shot and killed in an altercation with police and sheriff's deputies in Knox County. Now this took place on the front porch of a local bootlegger there, apparently a pretty infamous one at the time, C.T. Epperson, who apparently provided law enforcement with the information that Bunch was there. Now McCog had been caught earlier, and he was tried and convicted and sentenced to 15 years in Tennessee State Prison. Once more he was able to escape with a few other inmates, a George Moss and a Pete Dean. Moss was soon arrested outside of Tazewell, Tennessee, as he was seen walking on the side of the road after ditching after ditching Pete and Gus once he was outside of the prison. Now in need of more manpower, Dean and McCoggan Dean and McCoggan joined with a Frank Hobson and the group that formed after that was still referred to as the Bunch Gang, even though PGM had actually been killed previously. Now in December 1935, the three made their way to the Citizens Bank in Tazewell, Tennessee. A lot of stuff in this particular story you'll notice happens in that location. They held up the bank and robbed it of about $2,000 in cash. This is the same town their fellow inmate had been arrested in and was at the time of the robbery locked up in the jail. Now the three, after the robbery, made their getaway down Highway 33, heading towards the big town and city of Knoxville, Tennessee. Now this is the point where Sheriff Hutchinson became involved. A cashier at the Rob Bank called the Sheriff's Office to alert them of the robbery in the next county. Now a cashier at the bank that had been robbed started calling law enforcement agencies in the surrounding counties and word got to Sheriff Hutchinson about the robbery. Now Sheriff Hutchinson grabbed one of his deputies, Deputy Austin Matthews, and jumped into the Sheriff's Cruiser and headed off down Highway 33 towards the oncoming getaway vehicle. What I'm going to read to you now is from the Union County Historical Society, their description of the incident that followed. About seven miles from Maynardsville, and a short distance beyond the bridge over the Clinch River, the officers parked beside the highway. A car with three male passengers passed them at a high rate of speed. Matthew swung the car around and began a chase. The speeding sedan stopped at the south end of the bridge and turned the cardway sideways, blocking the highway. Dean remained in the car while Gus and Hobson got out and stood on the roadway beside the car. Gus was holding a 45 caliber automatic pistol concealed partially by his trousers. Deputy Matthews stopped the car a short distance away and he and the sheriff got out. What is described in the court documents as Sheriff Hutchinson in a soft tone 
began to speak to the boys, but he never finished his sentence. Gus raised his weapon and opened fire. The first shot went wild, hitting the windshield, but the second struck Sheriff Hutchinson squarely between the eyes, killing him instantly. He then trained the weapon on Deputy Matthews, who was now out of ammunition, and ordered him to surrender. Almost at the same time, a Greyhound bus pulled in behind Hutchinson's car and stopped. Gus went over to the bus with his 45 flashing it about and told the driver and the passengers that he had just killed the Union County Sheriff. After boasting and bragging about it, he left the bus and paused a few minutes to take a look at the body of the fallen sheriff before returning to the getaway car and heading towards Maynardsville. Again, this is from the Union County Historical Society in their description of the death of Sheriff Hutchinson. The gang managed to escape and a massive manhunt ensued. Frank Hobson was found and arrested within 24 hours and it wasn't until February of 1936 that police were able to arrest the other two men. Pete Dean was picked up in Gainesboro, Tennessee after robbing a bank by himself. Now shortly before his capture, Dean using the alias Tom Woods married a Trula Hines a Rockwood High School student who later claimed not to have known about Dean's true identity. And an interesting connection was that Pete was one of the individuals that was involved with the bank robbery at that time that occurred in Madison County in Mars Hill where a college student was shot and almost killed during the bank robbery. Gus had settled into a tourist camp in Crossville, Tennessee where he was later arrested without incident while he was singing and strumming a guitar. After a six-day trial, the three gang members were found guilty of the murder of the sheriff and sentenced to die by electrocution. The state's key witness, of course, was Deputy Sheriff Austin Matthews. Other witnesses included the driver of the Greyhound bus, the president of the Citizens Bank of Tazewell, and numerous other law enforcement officers, psychiatrists, psychologists, teachers, friends, and assorted other associates. Now the jury retired to review the testimony on February 28, 1936, and at 6.45 p.m. the jury retired to review the testimony on February 28, 1936. The next morning, because it was leap year, February 29th, the jury declared all three defendants guilty of first-degree murder, and Judge Monroe, overseeing the court at that time, sent the jury out again to discuss sentencing. Now, the jurors, not wanting to take a lot of time, of course, uh, having come to their decision, walked to the edge of a sage field about two blocks from the courthouse to, to deliberate. In less than an hour, they returned, and on behalf of the 12-men jury, the foreman announced electrocution for all three as their verdict. Now, all three defendants again appeared before Judge Monroe to formally receive their sentences. Electrocution of the three was to be carried out that year on April 15th. Now, attorneys for the three quickly filed appeals, and on December 11, 1936, the lawyers appeared before Tennessee State Supreme Court in Nashville and argued for a new trial. After the appeal, the Tennessee Supreme Court, the sentences of Dean and Hobson were reduced to life in prison. 
the newly elected Tennessee governor, Gordon Browning, commuted the death sentences of the two, but refused to halt Gus's electrocution and execution with a quickly approaching, now set for April 8, 1937. Gus's death sentence remained, and according to the state of Tennessee Department of Correction records, he was put to death on April 3, 1937, two years after he killed the sheriff and bragged about it to a busload of people who just happened to be riding by. On that date, Della Hutchinson, wife of the murdered sheriff, and three of her children traveled all the way to Nashville where they asked for permission to witness the electrocution. Now, state law prohibited them from doing this at that time. However, they were allowed to watch Gus during an interview with several members of the press. When Gus learned that Mrs. Hutchinson and the three children were there, he stood up, faced them directly, and apologized to the family for taking their husband and father's life. Now, shortly before midnight on April 8, 1937, Gus paced the floor of his cell at Tennessee State Prison. He refused to have anything to eat, and a quarter of an hour before his death, he told the newspaper reporters, quote, I hate to die, but I'm ready, and I'm not afraid to die. At 5 a.m., as prison officials strapped him into the electric chair, the prison chaplain read the 23rd Psalms, and at 5.22 a.m., the chair was activated, and Gus was pronounced dead two minutes later. He was only 25 years old. Sheriff Hutchinson had died on December 6, 1935, and he was only 51 years old at the time of his death. Now, his wife, Della, took over the job of sheriff at Union County after his death and became the third woman to be sheriff in the state of Tennessee. Now, remember, this was 1935, and it might have been different in other locations, but the citizens of Tennessee had no issue with her taking her husband's office and place as sheriff. She was a strong countrywoman, and everyone was aware of that. She passed away June 3, 1960, at the age of 71. Thank you for listening to our Shade of Blue for this evening. And thank you to the ladies to, who helped put this podcast together, my producer Victoria and super engineer Alice. For more information on future podcasts and when they will be released, as well as a list of other Shades of Blue podcasts, you can go to scottlunsfordauthor.com where you can also peruse and look at some copies of my books that can be ordered there or ordered on Amazon.com. Simple search for R. Scott Lunsford for the adult books. And if you have kids that are interested in uh, young adult mystery books, search under just Scott Lunsford, where you will find my books, The Girls from Gift, Girls Investigating Fantastic Things, a Nancy Drew Hardy Boys style type reading that I'm hoping the young people will enjoy. I can also be reached at the contact page of my website. Suggestions or comments and opposing viewpoints are always welcome. Now don't forget in the upcoming week to try to be safe and be secure and be happy. Alice, close us out. You have been listening to the 542 and the Blue Podcast. Discussions of law enforcement history, issues and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and surrounding areas. Hosted by author and researcher Scott Lunsford.
This is Alice. Scott's editor. For 542 in the blue. Background theme by Giorgio Di Campo in licensed for use. 3, 2, 1. Until next time. Thank you.